everyone. Um, welcome to our first ever Clear Books podcast. Uh, my name is Tara Cooper. I run the events here at Clear Books and I've worked for the company for just over two years now. Uh, Clearbooks, for those of you who haven't heard of us before, are a, a UK small business. Uh, we run cloud-based accounting software, uh, making it nice and easy for small businesses to keep on top of their books um, and help them grow their business. So what we're doing now is talking to some of our customers of Clearbooks, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, Brian Jenner, who is an award-winning speechwriter and founder of the UK Speechwriters Guild. So we'll be talking to uh, Brian a little bit about his business and hopefully get a few nuggets of advice uh, from Brian on his uh, experience of setting up and running a business in the UK. So let's kick off with uh, a little interesting fact about Brian that we found uh, on his website. Brian's actually managed to publish three books so far in his career, which is pretty impressive, I think. Uh, so you can have a look on his website for some of those, but I, I quite like the the most recent one, I think it was, uh, Brian, that uh, gives away the trade secrets, jokes, anecdotes, and one-liners for speechwriters. So uh, hopefully we'll hear a bit more about that. But uh, first of all, welcome to Brian. Hello. Hi, Brian. How are you doing today? I'm very well. I'm very well. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much for giving us a little bit of your time. Um, I'll, I'll kick straight off with uh, just asking outright, really, what, what does your business do? Well, I have a variety of activities that enable me to earn a living. I think as a small business person, you've got to have several income streams. And um, I have been working for the last 15 years as a professional speechwriter, which means that people contact me and ask me to help them write their speeches. And uh, this, you know, it generates a certain amount of income every year, but it's not always predictable from week to week. So um, I also followed my interest in organizing events and um, I've organized a lot of events and networking groups over the years, but now I focus on two international conferences for speechwriters and one event for the funeral industry every year. And that means that I'm always busy because I can always be sending out marketing or promotion for my events. Um, but if a speech comes along, that means I can interrupt that work and do a speech and earn some extra money there. So uh, I think that, you know, it, it, I think Warren Buffett says that uh, you should always have several sources of income. So if one dries up, you can uh, rely on the others mm. to uh, ensure that you can make a living. Excellent. So, so what was it really that made you want to start your own business then, Brian? Well, I think... Uh, I would regard myself as a creative person uh, with an entrepreneurial streak. And I did try very hard to work for other people, but I would always sort of be obsessed by my own ideas. And that made me quite an unemployable person. So <laughs> I was kept on getting fired. And my last job was in the city working for a, a big city law firm. And um, I got into disagreements and I, and I got sacked. And I think when you get to 30 and you've been sacked several times, you've got to realize, well, being employed and taking orders from other people is not for everybody. You mm -hmm. know, it's not for everybody. And those of us who kind of feel, well, well I could manage my own time and I want to try my own projects because, you know, one of my projects is I run the Good Funeral Awards. And I think that if I went to any business and say, oh, yes, I want to run uh, a competition uh, for people who work in the funeral industry and things like Grave Digger of the Year, Funeral Celebrant of the Year, and uh, Young Funeral Director of the Year, 
they'd say, that's completely mad. And they wouldn't give me any money or support me doing it. But I did it. And um, now it's kind of an annual event and it gets huge amounts of publicity. So I think that if you're rather unconventional, it, it, at the end of the day, you've got to be self-employed. Mm. So, so specifically the industry that you are in, um, what is it that you enjoy about the industry that you find yourself in, Brian? Well, I work very closely with quite high-powered individuals um, from time to time. And, you know, and also I help people with wedding speeches and things like that. So um, it's quite an intimate service. Uh, you know, a father of the bride will contact me and say that he wants a speech for his daughter's wedding and he doesn't know what to say. Well, that's quite a sort of difficult problem because I've got to get to know him and get to know stories about his daughter very quickly so I can help him write an emotional speech for the wedding guests. So um, I use my former journalism skills of interviewing and I call these um, fathers up and, and, and I start probing them and asking them uh, about, you know, what was it like? How did you feel the first day your, your daughter went to school or um, how... Um, did she rebel as a teenager? Um, how did you feel when the first day she went off to university? Did you teach her to drive? So um, I'm able to sort of focus on those experiences that are quite universal and then get the stories that can turn, um, you know, a wedding into a really meaningful event. Mm. And uh, so it, it, it's a case of I know what people need to say when they give a speech. But if you don't know anything about speech writing you're just sort of wandering in the dark and that means that uh, you know there are a lot of boring wedding speeches out there um, people <laughs> I've are heard a few <laughs> they can get a good service okay so is, is that how you would differentiate yourself uh, from your competitors you're quite personable um get really hands-on well no I think I think that I, I'm a collector of jokes if ever I hear a good wedding joke I will write it down and store it away and I think at a wedding, at a big social event, you want some humour, don't you? You want a lightness of touch. And I think there are lots of people who write can write good speeches uh, and do sort of political things and um, sort of business speeches, but I'm always looking for a little joke or a, or a bit of humour. And, yeah, I think, you know, like I said, I was a creative person. People who like humour tend to be a bit odd. You know, they're a bit different, aren't they? So that's my unique selling point, that, that, that I can find some jokes for you. Mm -hmm. so, so what would you say is the key to a good speech for anybody looking for some tips? Is it well, jokes? Well, keep it short. Keep it short. <laughs> I've had lots of best men who've come to me and they're trying to sum up their whole relationship with the groom over 20 years and, and they've written a 45-minute speech. In fact, one of the best um, sort of pieces of work I ever did was for a wedding that happened in Italy, and it was uh, a sort of celebrity couple. And the Black Eyed Peas were playing at the wedding, and that, that was going to cost. I, I often say that um, I should have charged two hundred thousand pounds for this speech because the Black Eyed Peas had been booked to do the wedding for two million pounds, and um, I was sent the speech for the groom and he had written a 45 minute speech, which thanks every single member of his extended family. And 
I kind of thought, well, even if you're a celebrity, there are only 24 hours in a day. And if you think you had uh, a 20-minute speech from the father of the bride, uh, a 45-minute speech from the groom, and then uh, a 15-minute speech uh, from uh, the best man, that would be as long as a feature film. That would be over an hour and hour's worth of speaking. And these people aren't professional speakers. So that would take a huge chunk out of the day. And that means that the Black Eyed Peas, I'm sure, would not have been able to play their full set. So I managed to reduce this speech from 45 minutes to five minutes. And I think I offered a huge amount of value there because <laughs> there would have been a lot of guests and, uh, you know, the wedding cost a huge amount of money. And really... I think I hopefully gave the, 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 the groom a more realistic understanding of what he needed to do on that day. Mm. And uh, I saved more from a, a, a very long period of boredom. So, so the key to a good speech is keep it short, um, clearly. Uh, and how long, if, if you can generalise at all, how long generally does the process of uh, writing a speech take well, writing a speech um, can take quite a long time. You know, if, if some people will contact me a year in advance if they want to do a speech for a wedding or, um, or a big business occasion or a big social occasion, um, a retirement or something, people will contact me a long time in advance. But I, I recommend that people should only really speak for about seven minutes usually. That's about a maximum amount of time you can keep people's attention. And it's also you can pack a lot of, of information into seven minutes. So the trick is to start early, um, but just do short bursts of work on it. And that means your unconscious mind sort of goes around thinking about the speech and you can gather enough material and, and, and also evaluate material. They say if people, if you write a novel, that the trick is to write a first draft and then leave it for a month or two months and then go back to it and then you can see whether it's any good. And it's a bit similar with speeches. You've got to give it time to gestate. The, the worst thing you can do is sort of the morning before or in the taxi on the way to the event, you start writing down a few notes because that is a recipe for disaster. I wish I'd uh, had you speak to my father-in-law uh, before our wedding, actually. That would have been good advice. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll note your, your address for next time. Um, so, Brian, if we can just uh, move from specifically your industry to generally your, your experience of setting up a business for a second. Uh, what would you say was the biggest challenge that you faced when you were setting up the business? Well, uh, you mentioned my books earlier in our podcast. Um, one of my books was called I'm Just Phoning to Chase My Invoice. And it was a humorous look at the problems you faced when you set up a small business on your own. And, of course, what business is about is about having a skill and charging people for it. And so one of the big challenges uh, working as a speechwriter is establishing your creative credibility, finding out the correct amount to charge, and then collecting your money. And those are pretty big challenges. Yeah, I'd say uh, they're, they're pretty common challenges that most people would face, aren't they? And, and pretty essential to the success of the business. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So I, I suppose today, actually talking about success, what would you say has been the biggest success for your business? Well, I think uh, I have a kind of weird sort of perspective on business in that, um, I, I quite admire the Quakers 
the Quakers uh, were quite you know, a religious group and they were known for being brilliant at business. And you think, well, um, why would that be? And that's because uh, their religion is quite disciplined. And I think that running a business is involved, it's about discipline. And I, I work with a lot of creative people who are very talented, um, but they had lots of issues around money and charging for things. And I, I've learned over the years that running a business is about being clear about the services you're offering and being aware that everything revolves around money and your careful management of that money. So if you know how much money you've got in your account, you know how much uh, your expenses are and w w what you need to pay yourself you have a really clear idea of what you're doing in your business and a lot of creative people and artistic people spend huge amounts of energy developing their talents but they're not very good at negotiating fees and generally seeing that money is a terribly important thing because if we don't have enough money we start underpaying ourselves and uh, you can't function properly within society. So my biggest success is to realize that although you know I love writing and I love uh, organizing events, ultimately sort of mathematics is, is one of the most important skills that um, I end up using every day and that's calculating how do I make a profit out of this particular deal and more importantly how do I avoid making a loss. So and sort of from a religious point of view, it's like every day you've got to sort of develop good habits. And one of them is doing my accounts and making sure that um, I'm keeping track. You know, I think that the mobile phone service whereby they send you um, your bank balance every day, that's something that I've checked first thing every morning because it's, it's wonderful to see money going into your accounts. It's wonderful to count that money. And it's wonderful to have money to spend on going to events. You know, I can go to other people's events. I can go on holidays. I can um, pay people to design my website or to uh, um, do my business cards, and um, they can be creative. So it's about learning that, that business is a discipline and that um, it's involves, it revolves around money. Yeah, too true that, I think. Um, so uh, would that sort of link in with, uh, if you could give one key bit of advice to anybody else who's thinking about starting a company, uh, well, what would that be, I suppose, specifically? Well, I think you've got to learn, uh, you've got to realise that everything um, involves risk and you don't know whether your business is going to work until you try it. And lots of businesses, in theory, should work um, and they don't, and lots of other businesses that you think, well, why would people want to pay for that? Well, the fact is that they do want to pay for that. And so, it, but you've, you've got to try things and you've also got to realize when to, to give up. And, and that's why accounts um, software is terribly useful because it gives you the story of your business, you know, how much money you started off with, how much you're spending each month, how much uh, you're paying yourself. So I think my um, initial problem with starting a business is that I poured huge amounts of energy uh, into starting my business and I experienced the sunk cost trap, which is I'd spent so much on trying to get my um, London community website 
off the ground and I'd spent so much time in it that I couldn't afford to give it up. And so it becomes a kind of compulsive habit of spending more and more money expecting next year it's going to be different. But in fact, um, when I did give it up, um, it was very liberating and I just wrote off all the money and time I'd invested in it. And I started a new business which started generating money from the beginning. And ironically, I could use all the skills I'd used on my community website, but I was just using them in a different context. And that became more profitable and more satisfying and I'm generally much happier. So I think that whenever you set up a business, you say, well, I'll give myself a year or six months to see if it'll work. And if it doesn't work after six months or a year, you stop doing it. And, and you do that on the basis that you can see the money um, coming in and going out and, and work out whether it's worthwhile pursuing. So give yourself a good uh, realistic deadline and be hard and firm yeah, with it. Yeah, it's sometimes difficult to, to, to distinguish between success and failure. Mm. Um, because when you fail, you think, oh, yes, I'm learning all the time and next time it's going to be different. But I think setting yourself a deadline to make something a success is, is, is far more sensible. Okay, excellent advice there. So you talked a little bit about the importance of um, finance. Uh, well, quite a bit, actually. So obviously, um, you're using ClearBooks at the moment to uh, keep track of all your money coming in and out. Um, how, how would you say ClearBooks has helped your company grow? Well, I used several other uh, web, uh, no, no, I used several other software accounts, software packages. And of course, they weren't cloud computing because cloud computing, I think, is quite um, recent. And uh, I, I found that I couldn't discipline myself to do the um, uh, use them properly. They weren't simple enough and they didn't offer the right categories. And um, I couldn't see how much money was coming in and out. So basically, I'd get to a situation where it would be uh, the beginning of January and I realized I had to do my accounts. And so I'd spend two weeks collecting all my receipts from the previous year and trying to kind of enter everything into my accounts to give to my accountants um, you know, in a panic. And it made me terribly afraid of how much money I'd have to pay because I wouldn't have a clue of how much I had to pay. So it was, it was many years of trying to find something that was really easy to use um, and, and, and not managing. And then my accountant recommended that I try ClearBooks. And, you know, the first year I did very much the same. I started putting all my information and I used the 30-day 30 30-day um, 30 period where you don't have to pay for ClearBooks, do you? You know, you can, you can start using it. And I thought that was a good sort of period of grace where you can just say, well, you know, I'm going to have to pay £6 a month for this. I think it was the first um, instalment. I think, well, that's quite reasonable. I'll try it. And yeah, I put all the information in and yeah, it takes a while to find out that it makes sense. But um, gradually I realized that the cloud computing means that you can open at any time. You just go to ClearBooks and I can find my accounts and um, I can set it up uh, all neatly. And um, that uh, the user friendly nature of it meant that um, I became more and more familiar with it. And then I started to realize how useful it is because if your business starts to expand, um, you, you've got to keep a more close track on the money. And uh, so I basically um, 
you know, if you do a big event, you've got hundreds of transactions a month. So I, I had to put them all in to make sure I knew what was going on. And, and pretty soon I could, I could get a clear picture of where I was. Excellent. So it's, it's helped you sort of see, see the whole picture, as it were, for your business. Yeah, well, I, I kind of see accounts. It's, it's rather like if you were sailing a small ship across the Atlantic and uh, you didn't have a compass and you didn't have a, well, a GPS system, uh, you'd really run into difficulties. And, and an accounts software program is, is like having a compass. You've got to know where you are every day so you know where to navigate forward. If, if you don't know how much money's coming in, if you don't know how many bills you've got, you don't know where you are in the middle of the big sit, wide, wide sea. And, and as you start earning more money, you know, I've registered for VAT this year. And um, the consequences of getting your VAT wrong or not having enough money to pay a £3,000 VAT bill um, at the end of the quarter uh, would be horrendous as a self-employed person because, you know, nobody's there to bail you out. Nobody's there to come and rescue you. You've got to be able to pay your bills when they come due. Yeah, too true that. Um, okay, so just one last question then for you, Brian. Um, if you could give one sort of top tool or technique that you use to help efficiently manage your time, what, what would you say that was? Uh, to, to manage my time? Well, I, I just think that having um, experienced, having, having sort of done lots of creative work, being very entrepreneurial, I think that... To start your morning by opening your accounts program is, is, is a good thing to do because now with the um, fact that mobile phones send you a daily update on your account, um, I start my morning doing my accounts and ironically I spend much more on my accounts than I have done in previous years but, but, but weirdly um, I've got much more money. So it's kind of very strange that if you focus on the money side of your business everything else seems to fall into place. And when it comes to charging for things, you've got a much better sense of, of what you ought to be charging rather than offering to do work that is underpaid or is not um, not appropriate for the particular situation you're in. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll leave you there then, Brian. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I think there's been some really key advice and insight you've given there. So uh, thank you. I also hope to you're going to be able to edit this down to about five minutes, are you? <laughs> uh, we'll leave that bit in. Um, I think <laughs> the, the aim is we're just over 20 minutes. So actually, it's not, not bad at all. That's pretty much spot on. Fabulous. Um, all right. Wonderful. Well, we'll do the wrap up offline then. That's fab. Thanks so much, Brian. Um, okay. And you're coming to our exhibition, aren't you? In February, yeah, yeah. Excellent. I'll look forward to meeting you there because I'll definitely be there on the day. Okay, all right. Okay, Bye. cheers, Brian. Bye.